University of Virginia Health System, we're for sharing the latest health information from top minds to keep you and your family healthy. With UVA Health System Radio, here's Melanie Cole. More than 123,000 men, women, and children currently need life-saving organ transplants. But what's involved in becoming an organ donor? My guest today is Dr. Ken Brayman. He's board-certified surgeon and serves as the Division Chief of Transplant Surgery at UVA. Welcome to the show, Dr. Brayman. So what's the biggest need right now in organ donation? What are, what are you seeing the most? Well, hi, hi Melanie, and uh, thank you for having me. The biggest need for um, organ donation, uh, well, for organ transplantation is organ donation. With 123,000 people on the wait list, we have a need for more donor organs. The number of transplants has remained relatively stable, but the number of people waiting for transplants increases uh, every week. So the availability of donor organs has not kept pace with the number of people that need transplants. And that's the biggest problem we have in transplantation today. Speak about organ donation. There are a few different types. People think that there is only cadaver donation or, you know, once somebody is brain dead. But speak about all the types for us. Sure. Well, with regard to uh, organ donation from uh, an individual who's been declared brain dead, that's uh, fairly standard. Um, there are also um, organ organ donations that take place from individuals that haven't met the legal criteria of brain death, but then they're allowed to um, donate after they die. So those uh, individuals are uh, labeled donation after cardiac death. And then, of course, there's live organ donation where an individual who's healthy donates a kidney or part of their liver. So there's really three different types of of um, organ donations that take place. We hear about living donors, people giving a kidney or a part of their liver to a complete stranger. What do you want people to know about considering volunteering to become a live donor? Well, the, the technical term for that is an altruistic donor. And every year, a number of people uh, contact uh, transplant centers such as our own to uh, tell us that they would like to donate um, a kidney or, or part of their liver. And it's the most gratifying uh, gift that one could uh, possibly give. Uh, of course, the donors are screened very closely to make sure they're medically suitable. And that's true whether you're uh, a relative or an altruistic donor, um, to make sure that the donor isn't hurt long-term by having uh, donated a part of or one of their organs. The liver can regenerate. Speak about liver transplantation a little bit. You just take a piece, correct? Well, for a living donor liver, um, we would use a portion of the donor's liver so that the remaining part of the liver would um, stay in place, and then it does regenerate in both the donor and the recipient. With kidney donation, um, a whole kidney is removed, and the kidney doesn't regenerate, but uh, the patients have been followed uh, for years and years, and there's, there is no increased incidence of, of kidney failure in individuals that have donated kidneys. What do you want people to know about becoming an organ donor on the back of our license, telling our loved ones what our wishes are? Well, it's, it's, very, it's very important that that uh, information is shared with your loved ones because in the, in the context of uh, a stroke or a car accident, it's, it's very difficult to, to muster the answers to difficult questions. 
So it, it is true that uh, besides signing up to be an organ donor uh, at the motor vehicle registry, it's very important to talk with your family members, your loved ones, about what your wishes are with regard to organ donation. You know, with regard to live organ donation, obviously that's something that an individual could choose to pursue. Um, and the best way to find out more information about that would be to contact the transplant center. We have individuals who function as full-time living donor coordinators whose job it is is to speak with people, uh, either in person or on the phone, about their interest in possibly donating an organ. So let's bust up a few myths about organ donation, Dr. Brayman. People hear about things and they're scared to actually say, I will donate an organ if I am brain dead or cardiac arrest. So speak about some of the myths that if, if somebody is in that situation that organs would be taken before, all measures have been used to try and save that person. Just break up a few of those things you must hear all the time. Well, that's true, Melanie. There are myths uh, that exist around organ donation, primarily, um, as you alluded to, where uh, there are individuals who feel like they won't get the full, full court press to save their lives if they sign up to be an organ donor. And that's absolutely not true. I mean, the job in the emergency room and the intensive care units and so forth is to save the life of the individual. It's only um, when those individuals have been determined to either meet the legal criteria of brain death or not to be salvageable that they're actually referred for consideration for organ donation. So there's a lot of checks and balances in the system at the level of the emergency room, the intensive care unit, um, the organ procurement organizations, and so forth to make sure that people are not inappropriately referred for uh, organ donation. So if someone has a history of medical illness, can they still donate various organs? It's possible. Um, it really is up to the uh, professionals who are involved in, in screening donors to determine an individual's suitability. So I, I would never rule somebody out either for deceased donor or for live donation until uh, a transplant professional has been consulted to look at the entire picture. I think one of the barriers to organ donation is also that the donor feels it's going to cost them a lot of money, like they're going in for surgery for themselves. So speak about that a little bit. Sure. Well, with regard to um, living donors, um, all the costs associated with the evaluation, the surgery, and the follow-up of the living donor is paid for by the recipient's insurance. So we instruct uh, donors to not pay any uh, lab tests or hospital bills related to the uh, organ donation process, but <clears throat> send them to the transplant center if they're inadvertently um, received at home because they're supposed to be paid for by the recipient's insurance. And that's uh, something which is standard in the industry. So what about the recipients? Do they know who the donors are? Do they ever get to meet up if it's a live donor? Well, um, that's up to the donor um, for the most part. Uh, there are people who... Um, are altruistic donors who want to meet the recipient eventually. There are some that don't. With regard to deceased donation, cadaveric donation, uh, the way that that works is if uh, a recipient uh, wants to get in touch with the donor family, they usually write a note. It's given uh, to the coordinators at the transplant center and forwarded to the organ procurement organization who then forwards it to the family, and the family can decide whether to respond to the recipient directly or indirectly. So it is possible to contact the donor, but there are safeguards in place to protect the anonymity of the donor.
Dr. Brayman, organ and tissue donation, does that mean that the body is disrupted? Some people like to have an open casket funeral for someone that they've lost. Is that affected? No, it's not. When somebody um, donates abdominal organs or chest organs, such as heart or lung, uh, the body is closed up, uh, the face and the extremities are are intact, and um, with appropriate uh, clothing, uh, there's no way that uh, an individual would would know that uh, somebody had donated uh, by looking at them in the casket. In just the last few minutes, Dr. Brayman, and it's wonderful information, I applaud all the great work that you're doing. Give the listeners the information you really want them to know about the importance of organ donation and why patients should come to UVA for their transplant care. Sure. Well, in the United States, every day there are 18 people who die waiting for an organ transplant. And it's really unfortunate because... Uh, The University of Virginia is the only comprehensive transplant center in the state of Virginia. And by that, I mean comprehensive in doing um, the five major organ transplants, kidney, liver, pancreas, lung, and heart. And so um, it's it's, uh, life-saving therapy for um, end-stage diseases of the lung, the heart, the liver, the kidneys, even for diabetes with pancreas transplants. However, there's an organ shortage, and so it's really um, important uh, that we have um, a maximum availability of, of donor organs. The University of Virginia has been doing organ transplants for 50 years. The results of transplantation at the University of Virginia are outstanding. I would <clears throat> feel comfortable sending my family or even having my transplant here because the physicians and the surgeons and the nurses and all the people that are involved in, in transplantation are highly professional, they're highly committed, and uh, the results are really some of the best in the country. So um, we have a great um, organ transplant group. Uh, we've been doing the procedure for a long time, and uh, the results are fantastic. We don't just treat the, the patient, of course. We, we focus on treating the family, and we're very um, very sympathetic to the uh, stresses associated with the entire family associated with uh, the organ transplant process. Thank you so much, Dr. Brayman. You're listening to UVA Health Systems Radio. And for more information, you can go to uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.